The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. Well, hello, my my fellow humans out there. Um, welcome in to to this episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. My name is Brian Pyatt. I'm your host, and as always, so glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. Um. This week on the podcast, we are, are talking about the topic of addiction and recovery. And um, joined this week by my friend Connor Johnson. And uh, Connor is somebody that I have um, had the honor of getting to know uh, locally here in the Twin Cities over the last year or two. And we've had the opportunity to partner on um, some breath work and meditation events locally. And and Connor has just a, a really beautiful, powerful story of his own to tell about his own experience with addiction and his own recovery process. And so I wanted to have him on the, the episode to, um, to share that with all of you. And um, I was honored that he said yes to do it. So uh, that's the plan here today. Connor is a yoga and meditation instructor. He is an ambassador for Lululemon. He is a housing consultant and also the founder of Woodworks, which is um, so beautiful and has such an incredible mission. And we talk about it here in the episode and um, talk about a number of things here. And and most notably for me, Connor gets into um, not only his story, but also his his journey from his head to his heart when it comes to his recovery process that really really stuck with me and so um hope that this conversation serves you in some way um connor and i uh, have another event coming up here in the month of january i'll give you more information on that in the uh the little ending portion of the the episode here. So stay tuned for that if you're interested in um, doing some breath work and some meditation with us. But uh, let's go ahead and begin my, my conversation with Connor Johnson. Thanks for being here, my friend. Welcome into the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. we're um, this is kind of nice. We're sitting in your condo mm-hmm. in uh, in downtown Minneapolis. We got some nice snow out here uh, out the window. Tis the season. Yes. So I, I appreciate you welcoming me into your space. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having this conversation. Yeah. And um, really, really honored and looking forward to to having this conversation with you. And I know kind of diving into a lot of things surrounding um, addiction and your journey mm-hmm. and, and your recovery process. 
Where, where does that story begin for you? Yeah, great question. So I think 2019 was the year that um, I was in my early 30s. I um, was in that fall of 2019 is when I kind of, everything kind of just came to this culmination where um, I realized, you know, I was using alcohol in a way that was um, extreme numbing, extreme kind of like Mm -hmm. drinking to excess. um, And it just, everything, I was depressed and I um, was coming out of a relationship and it just kind of, all these culminating factors led to this point where I'm like, I think I have a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol and now I need to address it. That was the start. And then to actually address what needed to be addressed and to like go through the process of kind of being honest with myself about what needed to change, um, Mm -hmm. went from there, but it was in that fall of 2019. So, um, you know, four years ago now that I started the journey, um, and it had a lot of, it's not linear, right? Right. (laughs) And it was a lot of, um, trying different things and fits and starts, but it was really that a couple, you know, four years ago that this all kind of started for me. What, uh, what did it look for you as far as things that were happening where you started to notice, like, this is something that I need to look into or, or, or something that maybe feels unhealthy? Yeah. It was, you know, I think it was, it was, there were like visible times of like really, you know, it was no longer just using alcohol in a social setting. Um, yeah. It was a lot of isolated um, drinking, a lot of kind of almost um, what I would think of as like self-harm kind of drinking yeah. where it's like, I'm, it's so far beyond like a healthy, like normal amount to drink. It was yep. um, very isolated, um, kind of days at a time, self-isolating and using alcohol as this like seeking oblivion, seeking a numbing um, mm-hmm. that became really problematic and started to yeah. obviously affect personal relationships, you know, friendships, family relationships, but also my like work started, you know, having times of missing work due to... Yeah. Um, related to drinking or the cause of like the after effects of drinking. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, when it was just becoming so visible in my life, I think. Yeah. And you had a, you were going through a breakup at the time too. Yes. Yeah, so so I, there was this happening as well, which is a really big thing. Yeah. It was a big thing. It was a big, it was a kind of this, like kind of this relationship that had been almost, you know, kind of four and a half years of like very formative years moving from LA to DC to Minneapolis together. And then yeah. at that point it just felt like it was kind of like, everything I had been kind of planning in my life changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just the relationship, but it was that impetus that gave me this kind of unearthing of a lot of things that needed to be addressed yeah. in my life and yep. questions of identity and questions of like, you know, what, what do I want in life and what is my greater why? And all these kinds of like existential questions, even just in this kind of also like time of like practical yeah. What do I do next kind of thing? Yeah. So. What, what's the best way? I, I would imagine some people listening to this in their own unique way can relate to what it feels like to be in um, a similar situation to, to what you're describing. How do you describe what it's like kind of when you were in those moments of isolating and, and you know, really kind of in, in the depths of that addiction? Yeah. Um, it was a lot of confusion. You know, like mm. I... I intellectually knew what I was doing wasn't helpful. It wasn't serving me. Um, But I was also, I didn't have another good idea of what to do. So it just seemed like the best 
um, idea at the time was to just like, I'm not the best, but it was just like in, in idea at the time was just to continue to kind of just drink to oblivion, numb out, um, and just really kind of isolate. And so it just was a lot of confusion because I knew this wasn't good, but I did, I also didn't have the wherewithal at the time to stop my, to stop Mm. what I was doing too. Right. I was like, I'm doing something that I know is self harm, but I, I can't stop it. Can't stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Or I didn't feel like I could stop it. And yeah. what's that like to, to not be able to stop it? I, I mean, it's it's truly like, I think the like feeling of hopelessness, right? Like when you don't hope, I think for me is like when you feel like you have something to look forward to, you have something, you have like yeah. a greater purpose kind of thing. There's something bigger than yourself. And at that point, I think it was the opposite of that, right? It was just like so hopeless. Yeah. I felt like there was nothing else that I could like, there's nothing, there's not a lot of hope. Um, so yeah, just feeling really desperate. Did, um, did people around you notice? Yeah. I mean, I was, so I moved in with my parents during this time of like post breakup. I was living with my parents. So it was very visible for them because I was physically sharing space with them. And then, you know, I was just isolating, um, becoming very, um, very erratic in my, you know, ability to show up for things, you know, it was like, I couldn't really, I would commit to things, but then all of a sudden I would maybe find myself on a drinking bender and not be able to show for events I'd committed to. And so just this kind of very inconsistent behavior, very kind of erratic behavior. Um, so, and you brought up the word numbing Yeah, and and you've, you've kind of talked about that. Um, do you have any sense of what it was that you were trying to numb? Like in those moments when you talk about going on benders and things like that mm-hmm. like what do, do you remember what it was in, in your body that you were trying to numb yeah I mean I think for me it was this I, I was I was in a lot of pain at the time around like what I thought my life was going to look like mm. and then the reality was different and I and I couldn't I felt the discomfort of that like kind of reconciliation of like okay my life is not where I thought it was going to be with job with marital status having kids like I kind of had these like these stepping stones I thought my life was supposed to achieve and when it didn't happen I guess I wasn't prepared or equipped emotionally enough for myself to be able to handle that discomfort Mm -hmm. from realizing like I had gotten so far off track from what I thought I wanted at the time so I think it was that just like that really like discomfort around like this is not what I want my life to look like right now. Mm-hmm. And also I, I don't feel ready to take the responsibility to, to make the changes necessary for me to get to the place that I want to yeah. get to. So just this kind of like, it's easier to just get drunk and numb sure. out for sure. So. Even though you know that it's not a healthy thing for yeah. you, but <laughs> you're still doing it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Even though you're like, this is not good for me, but it it felt it was a quick release right like it was just a quick way to to ease pain instead of going through the full process that now i have learned some more tools to go through that process to to address uncomfort or discomfort or painful things but at the time i was like this is too much quick turn to a quick solution which was alcohol at the time and the 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 quick solution worked i would imagine Mm -hmm. in the short term yeah i mean it did i mean it felt yeah eased it eased you know anxieties and pains and discomfort and yet what starts to happen in the long term (laughs) it gets worse right and then you wake up 
from post bender, whatever your kind of thing, your numbing thing is, you come back to to your reality, and you're like, it's worse than it was before, right? Because you haven't addressed it. Yeah. Plus, then you're dealing with all the guilt and shame of yeah. what just happened. You know that you know being on a bender for a few days and being drunk and yeah. not being out of control and just like totally out of your life. Yeah, yeah. So in a way, it's like your body was problem solving. Yes. In the short term, mm-hmm. and yet creating bigger problems down the road as you engage with it more. For sure. I mean, and like in, in recovery circles and things that, you know, they always say like your substance wasn't the problem. It was the solution, right? It mm-hmm. was at the time it was the solution that you had, um, mm-hmm. to deal with whatever you're going through. Um, so that became my solution and then it, until it didn't work anymore. Right. And then it gets worse. And then you're like, All right, this is no longer a solution. For but, sure. Yeah. What's it like to talk about it? Um, it's interesting. You know, it's been it's been good. It's like I think for me, it's remembering to talk about it in a way that's like grounded in reality. You know, mm. where I don't disassociate from it because I think mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of be like that was then, this is now. You know, mm-hmm. but it's still part of. I think every day is still part of my you know, like active recovery, and so like being able to let it be integrated and not. Yeah say like yeah that was then this is now i guess yeah had you had trouble with alcohol up until that point or did it feel is it did it come on quickly it was very quickly it was very acute i mean i in some ways i'm kind of grateful for that i'm far enough in recovery now where i'm in that mode of being like i can be grateful i'm not grateful that i went through all that i went through but i'm grateful that it led me to this point but and for me it was very sudden and very acute um so i had to address Mm -hmm. it and I think that like that's there's some beauty in that like the immediacy that happened for me, mm-hmm. but I you know now going through a couple rounds of treatment and doing the recovery work, I've looked at my you know like early twenties into my like mid to late twenties and seen patterns of of problematic drinking, mm-hmm. um, but it was a very much in a functional. Um, sphere which I think is that interesting area where as long as like things are still looking good then Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't really always have to be addressed sometimes even though there were times that now I look back and I'm like oh I probably needed alcohol in a different way than someone else in the similar Mm -hmm. setting Um, maybe we both had the same level of intoxication or like had the same number of drinks but like what I needed from that was maybe different than what other people were experiencing at that time. As we kind of go from, from that phase to the phase of you actually getting help and starting to, to develop some, some healthier coping mechanisms for yourself. Was, was there a moment where you kind of knew like something needs to change here? Like, mm-hmm. was there that definitive moment or was it more gradual? No, it was very definitive. I mean, I decided I needed to like get help. I was starting to end up in like hospital, like, you know, being hospitalized because I was heavily intoxicated and, and having really, um, dark, you know, suicidal ideation, um, a lot of things, you know, really detrimental mental health stuff was happening. Um, so it became very apparent that I had to, but the starting that recovery process was harder than I thought. Right. And Mm -hmm. I guess I'm used to a certain level of like, if this, then that, right. Like if I, if I do this, then okay, then I'll achieve Mm -hmm. this outcome and it'll be fine. And I guess I didn't realize it was going to get 
messier and worse before it got better, right? Mm -hmm. It was going to get, there was more kind of this like unearthing work that had to to get accomplished in recovery. Mm -hmm. And again, that was like that not linear part. So it got, it got a little bit harder before it got, like I actually found my peace and serenity in recovery. Yeah. Which was that, I would imagine that could be tough, right? To, to think, oh, I'm going to go get help and everything's just going to be great or I'm just going to immediately get better. And so to, to almost have to go through a more difficult time to eventually get to where you are today, I could see how that would may- maybe be a little bit like, what's going on here? This yeah. This how it's supposed to go. Well, like I signed up for rehab and I went to rehab and then I got out of rehab and drank right away. I'm mm. like, oh, this wasn't supposed to, <laughs> like I was rewarding myself for doing well in rehab by drinking, right? And so it was like, okay, there's a lot more to figure out here. Um, and yeah, it is frustrating. I think it's kind of, um, it's kind of just not our American mindset, you know, like we tend yeah. to think like, all right, we'll take this, we'll do this, the, and this will be the result. You know, we're, I think I'm conditioned at times to look for that quick fix and that yeah. kind of, instead of having to really do the, like, all right, the holistic mm-hmm. work that it's going to take to, to truly find recovery. Yeah. And for some, and, it, and my story is different than others. So like some people go to rehab and they um, come out and they're able to stay sober and it's just all kind of a more, you know, kind of linear path for them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I found, I think for me, it was, it was just a lot more like fits and starts getting worse before it got better. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, is it, is it noteworthy or is it, um, is it necessary to share how many times you went into rehab? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's good. Yeah. We, I went, um, four and a half times. Okay. I say half times because I went four times really, but I got out of Hazelden, started drinking and went like back to Hazelden. So okay. it was kind of like four and a half, but yeah, I yeah. basically, I went four times, um, for four rounds and you know, after the first three, I just kept like coming out and drinking again and I went to multiple places, mm-hmm. different formats. Um, I think for me, what it was, it was really just like, I hadn't come to terms with the fact that I needed to get sober. Mm. I think it was not supposed to, this was not part of my life, not part of my plan. And so I think just to like, be honest with the fact that it needed to happen. Yeah. Took a process. And I've heard, so that's kind of the, sounds like a theme for you a little bit there about life, not looking exactly how you had it Mm -hmm. envisioned or, or how you, how you planned it. And so kind of an accepting of, of that. Yeah. And, and, and like really understanding like what, what do you want to look like? I think my background is like where I grew up and kind of just the influences that I saw was, you know, really around this idea of like achievement, you know, and if we continue to Mm -hmm. achieve, which is good, like that there's a lot of like really positive affirmation in like achievement and and striving and all those kinds of things. But I think, um, for me that I took that to an extreme where I just continued to achieve, achieve, achieve Mm -hmm. into a point where I was like, do I even like what I'm doing? Do, do I want to do this for myself? Like getting really honest about my intentions, um, Mm -hmm. with just whatever I'm doing, you know, whether it was achievements or just activities or anything in my life. Like, do I genuinely, is this adding value to my life and do I want this? And a lot of it was, yes, it was, and it was good. And then there were some opportunities for me to assess and be like, no, check my intention, I guess. Yeah. So acceptance, a big piece for you in eventually getting sober. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think for me, like I knew intellectually again, like I knew in my head that I need to get sober 
but I didn't feel it in my heart for a long mm. time. And I think that journey, um, and we've talked about this too, that kind of like journey from like head to heart, yes. um, like knowing you need to do something and then f- actually feeling it in your heart and your body yeah. was a big, uh, it was a difference it's, for me. Like gives me chills when you say that. I think that's so powerful. Yeah. Um, what helped you get from your head to your heart? I think, you know, I think really thinking about it for myself, like, what do I want out of this? Like, you know, no, not getting sober for other people because it would, because I know it would be better for my family or friends or my job or things like that. But like being like really, Mm -hmm. you know, like in touch with myself and how I would feel in sobriety and recovery. And Mm -hmm. then, then using that to be like, that's that fuel is what I want, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, kind of assessing that and continuing to work through it. And I think also just kind of giving, giving it a chance instead of fighting it for so long. Right. Like mm-hmm. I was just so worried about the label alcoholic, or I was worried that like once I crossed the threshold into recovery, then I have to do all these different things. And yeah. again, it's, it's, it's much more integrated than that, yeah. you know, and it's not like because I identify as someone in recovery, my life is radically different, right? There are a mm-hmm. lot of really good factors that are different, but it's still me. It's still a continuation of my life. It's just yeah. an enhanced, elevated version, I think, for at this sure, point. For sure, for yeah. sure. And, and powerful that you were scared of the label of alcoholic, and yet it sounds like what you just said, it's led you... A, led you to a more enhanced version of yourself. Oh, for sure. Like being an alcoholic has been the help, like taking that label and, and then doing something about it in recovery has been the most healthy, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of best thing for me in my life. But it, but being able to take that, take that label and, and identify with it was hard. When it, when it comes to your life now, um, mm-hmm. what helps you kind of day in and day out and week in and week out to, to take care of you? Mm-hmm. I think for me, I'm always looking for more for balance now um, and kind of looking for opportunities to come back to balance, um, knowing that like life has ups and downs and we get busy and distracted and do lots of different things, but trying to come back to a place of balance um, and knowing better for me, like when I'm off track, right? Like when mm-hmm. I'm gearing towards, I think that was the thing with, with alcohol and, and where I was back in 2019, four years ago, is that I just wasn't tracking how far off of balance I was getting, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden you get to a place where you're like, well, this is so different than I thought I was going to be in. So now I think trying to watch for when I'm going out of balance and then do all those things that I know to be good for me to get back yep. to those things. And, and that's been this kind of holistic regimen of things for me. But yeah. So how do you, how do you usually know like in your body when you're out of balance? I, yeah, you know, I, that's a great question. It is, it is identifying with your body, right? When I think like bringing up your body is the perfect way to, it's, it's realizing like, when am I getting unnecessarily agitated about things? Right. Or like, when am I feeling like things, situations that, are fairly logical that I'm getting kind of a little bit irrationally 
uh, upset or ir- irritated or agitated or stressed. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's realizing those moments and then kind of working back from there to be like, yeah. why am I so, why is this making me so mad? You know, yeah. and it's usually obviously not the thing that we're getting mad about that is actually the underlying issue, right? It's that's just the manifestation of anxieties or general things that we're going through. So yeah. trying to watch for those cues of yeah. why am I, why am I getting so upset? Um, and then kind of going back to that yeah. question. And what are, and, and so you mentioned kind of some holistic and kind of integrative approach. Yeah. What are, what are those things for you that kind of help bring you back to, to balance? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, it's been, um, it's definitely been, you know, like trying to find centering techniques. Right. And so a lot of what I'm doing now with yoga and everything too, is just like finding that centering, um, whether it's meditation, breath work, some of those Mm -hmm. things, those, those tools that we know. Um, and then it's also, I think for me, it's a process of kind of just checking my, um, checking the frame, my framework, my lens that I'm using to evaluate things and being a little bit like kind of stepping back from what I'm like initially seeing and giving it a little bit more like kind of, are there other perspectives? Are there other ways that I could be like letting go or, and and letting go is a huge process for me. I used to Mm. hold on to things and I still do. I think it's human nature to have some hold, you know, beholden to certain things, but I'm trying hard to kind of like let things go in the past as much as possible yeah. so that I'm not continuing to just ruminate, you know, so much yeah. of my like kind of anxiety was just rumination on everything that I yes. thought was going to happen, which never actually happened. And the things I didn't expect to happen did mm-hmm. like becoming an alcoholic. Right. Mm-hmm. I worried about so many things in my life. And then the one thing I never really thought I would worry about was the, one of the big things. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even on your radar. <laughs> no, it wasn't. This is not in my plan. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and the ruminating is just so... I don't know that people understand how just debilitating rumination can be when you're really in the, when you're in the thick of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people out there listening to this can, obviously, because a lot of <laughs> yeah. people experience it really intensely, but... Um, it's hard. It's hard to be stuck up there in our minds mm-hmm. for extended periods of time. And that's where like getting back into your body can be so important, whether, yep. whether it's movement or even meditation that gets you back into your body or breath, just anything that, that is, you know, to be a good activity for you to get back into your body, mm-hmm. I think is so important. Cause then once we're in our body, we can start to, yep. to adjust from there. But yeah. when we're so stuck in our head, it just becomes so challenging. Yeah. It like doesn't, I kind of feel like we, we think the answer is going to come in our mind all the time. Mm-hmm. And at least from my, my perspective, the more that I try to find the answer or figure it out with my mind, the digger I just keep digging myself mm-hmm. or the deeper I just keep digging myself into more and more rumination. And it's actually pulling me away from my life. And I, I really do think a lot of the answers come in our bodies mm-hmm. and not even that there's answers in our bodies. It's just like, can we just feel life a little bit more with our bodies as opposed to trying to intellectualize it all the time. Yeah. I think of it as like kind of this idea of like, you know, when you people hear people say like, Oh, we're nesting to get ready for something like they're nesting mm-hmm. for like a baby or something. Right. But I also think of it as like preparing your body. You don't know what the outcome is, but preparing yourself to be ready for that outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what I also really work on right now is less about like, what is the outcome that's going to happen from all of this? But 
how can I prepare myself to be ready for what that outcome might be, right? Mm. And so mm-hmm. less about like, oh, I hope this happens and more of like, I hope that I'm in a good space so that when this happens, yeah, I'm prepared for it. Yeah, and there's kind of an action part of that too, right? Like mm-hmm. actively doing things to get yourself ready for that. Yeah, and being open and being in a good healthy space. And then like so much has happened in the last couple of years of being in recovery that was less about, like I couldn't plan it all, you know? Mm-hmm. But I was preparing myself to be ready and open mm-hmm. for things, to, good things to happen. Yeah. How has yoga played a, a role in this for you? I know you obviously practice yoga. You mm-hmm. teach a lot of yoga. You've been just incredible locally here in the Twin Cities, you know, guiding people through their practice. How has it, how has it helped? It's been about community for me. Mm-hmm. And that's been so good for recovery for me um, because um, I, I think yoga movement is great. It's a great, I, I like it as a modality to like, you know, to move and to get into your body and all those mm-hmm. things. But I also love the community aspect of it. And for me, that's where I'm, where that's helped enhance my recovery is yeah. seeking community by um, moving together, by breathing together, meditating together, kind of these practices that come from a yogic perspective that, um, that can be done in community. They're like an individual practice in a lot of ways, but they're when they're done in the collective, I think there's like a real power to that, as you know, yeah. from your work too. And, and I think that that is where I really see enhancement to my recovery. Mm-hmm. And I just think about like all the, the spaces that you've created community in through um, your classes, your, I mean, you're now a, you're an ambassador for Lululemon, like yeah. all these really cool things and powerful things that have happened in your life over the last several years. Do you think those things would have happened if you hadn't struggled with alcohol? Um, I don't think, I don't think I would have had the gravitas maybe to be, I think I, I think I needed, like, I think I needed that, like the no lotus, no mud situation. You know, I think I needed that mud in order to kind of like fully refine kind of what, um, some of my understandings were and some of my learnings and to like also get to a place where I feel like I'm kind of a lifelong learner. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. identify like that before, but I feel like now through kind of the struggle, I'm at, I have a framework that's like I'm continuing to grow. And like, I think most people who are in the dynamic I'd call recovery or like always thinking about like how to kind of refine and retouch and continue yeah. to enhance their recovery. So I think having that perspective has been so helpful and that has come out of the struggle, right? Like knowing that I could go back to bad times means that I have to kind of maintain, right? Mm. And continue to monitor and I think that has been helpful. Do you still feel those um, addictive tendencies come up? Yeah. So, um, like I've been, so I've have this round I'm at 22 months, um, now mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, there's been stuff that's come up. So I removed alcohol, I've been alcohol free for 22 months in, Amazing. in a recovery mode and, um, but other things have come up, right? So, yeah. um, something that came up in my kind of first year of recovery was sex and how has mm-hmm. sex become a tool? Like I'm sober, but how was I using sex in a way that was also numbing? Yeah. And when, and some of it is like human nature, right? We're going to numb in some ways. And some of that is good, right? It's, it's positive things. But when is it, again, seeking, like going from that unbalanced state, right? Like when is it veering towards 
being unbalanced, unhealthy yep. and not serving you. Um, yeah. and I think, yeah, assessing that. So the, I guess that kind of, I, I'm, sex was an opportunity for me to kind of reevaluate again. Yeah. How do I need to continue to enhance my recovery? Um, yeah. and where am I looking for the numbing yeah. aspects? Sex being just another way to numb. Another way to numb. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, I think people numb in a lot of ways, right? Like we have the big, the big ones, the substance uses, Mm -hmm. food, sex, and then, but then once you start to kind of go down your list of things, there's a lot of ways we can numb. Um, and yeah, it's incredible how, um, how hard it just is to sit in our human body sometimes. Mm -hmm. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it just sometimes is just so painfully uncomfortable just to be in what we're experiencing just to be just right to be. just to be it is the I, hardest thing <laughs> and it takes so much work sometimes just to do that what sounds like it should be a simple thing of just can i just be here with what is um i love glennon doyle is somebody that i just mm-hmm. i just love and i love i've heard her talk a lot about um addiction and she talks all, all a lot of times about the kind of like the red easy button. Like we all, have you heard her talk about mm-hmm. this? Like, this, yeah, I love we all have dark. these like red, you know, these buttons that we push when, that when things get really uncomfortable in our life, we just, we hit the button just to get out of there. Yeah. And, and, and it makes sense a lot of the times, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of people are walking around with really, really intense things. Um, and she always talks about like sitting in our hot loneliness. Yep. I think that's such a powerful way to put it. Yeah. And I think that was for me, like the, the realization I've like spent, you know, thousands of dollars of my insurance paid for multiple rehabs. I hundreds yeah. of hours in rehab and recovery work just to learn how to just be in the present and just be. Yeah. And it was like, that was basically the distilled message. I mean, there's after you get over like, okay, don't drink, don't use yeah. your substance, but once, but what does recovery look like? It's being able to find peace and serenity in just being mm. basically it was the kind of the, what I've interpreted as the distilled, distilled message of recovery is learning yeah. to just be okay with being yourself in yeah. a moment. Do you know what, like what was in that hot loneliness that felt so hard to sit with for you? Yeah, I think, I think for me it was, I, I think I had this idealized idea of what my life yeah. should look like and the shoulds, however you use them get, you know, get very mm-hmm. challenging sometimes. Cause you, I should do this. I should be this. I should have done this. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of, that is obviously we know entangled with shame and yes. regret and all these things that are just not healthy, um, emotions in high doses. And so I think for me, it was just like, my life wasn't where I thought it should be. Mm. And I couldn't handle that. Yeah. So how do you feel about where your life is at right now? It's good. I think once it's like, I like it. I like my life. I think like it's, it was removing the, like what I thought it should be, like allowed me to like, it could be so, it's so much more. Right. And there's this, I mean, it's many people have said it, but I read it in a a Baptist yoga book, but it was Mm -hmm. basically like saying no to one thing is saying yes to everything else. And so it was like, once I could say no to one thing or a few things, then so much more could open up. Right. And so, yeah, for me, I think it's, yeah, it's like taking the pressure off mm-hmm. has made life so much better. Yeah. Like when I'm not trying to control the outcomes as much, yep. then the outcomes are more, um, yeah. like, yeah, been more 
uh, exciting and better than I thought. Yeah. So. And, and, I, and it sounds like you're able to be more present with those things than you ever have before. I try, right? Yeah. <laughs> I try. I'm yeah. like, I'm still trying. I mean, I'm still, I still am on social media all the time or I'm like, you know, dream scro- scrolling or doing all these things, but like I can still, I'm, I'm trying harder to identify being in the moment. What gives you hope at this, at this phase of your life? Um, I think, yeah, I feel like, I mean, lots of things give me hope. Um, I like seeing things grow. I love, mm-hmm. I love the beginning and growth phase of starting something. And then I love the inviting people in and letting them mm-hmm. take it and run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I've learned in myself just from multiple kind of endeavors that I've started or things that I've done where I like to start things and help bring people in and let them grow. And I think seeing people take, take something that you're thinking and envisioning and having it go somewhere has been really hopeful. And that, and which speaks a lot to your, how, how important community is to you. Yeah. I think it speaks to how important community is and it speaks to letting go of the outcomes, right? Like Mm -hmm. when I can, like it doesn't have to be this thing and I can let other people in that kind of like letting people in, um, and releasing some aspect of control has given me a lot of, a lot of hope, you know, it's, it's it's fun to see, like to let people in. Yeah. And, and it, it makes me think a lot about like Woodworks. Yeah. Company that you've founded back in Los Angeles. Yeah. 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Yeah. And 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 that's now like thriving without you. I know you're still on the board, right? I'm still on the board, but it, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's like, that's thriving because we brought people in that like could understand the message and then take it and really run with it in a way that I couldn't. Yeah. And I think being, being okay with my like limits, right? Like Mm -hmm. knowing my limits, like I didn't have to be everything for woodworks in order for it to work. And once I could, it's kind of freeing to be like, actually, I'm not the best suited for this. We'll bring someone in who's better suited for this Mm -hmm. and letting them take it and run with it. And I think that has been, Yeah. I guess it goes back to honesty really too, right? It's like being honest with myself about where, how far I want to go with something and then being okay with the emotions that come with pausing briefly for people who have not heard of Woodworks. How do you yeah. describe to people what yeah. it is? Great question. It's a, it's a nonprofit social enterprise in LA that we started to, I started with my parents um, and then brought people in, but we have people who are experiencing homelessness, housing instability in the LA area come in and um, really it's a work opportunity for people with barriers to employment. So exactly. they come in hand finish wood products, sell the wood products in stores and um, and all the you know proceeds from the products go back to the program. So yeah, it's incredible. And and I mean that could be a whole other podcast episode <laughs> to talk about that. But we'll we'll put a, a link in the show notes of this episode for people to to go learn more about it and check out what, what you have to offer there. Sounds great. So as we wrap up, my friend, um, what a beautiful conversation. Just thanks for being so open. And um, is there? Any, I always like to give people this opportunity that like, is there anything that you would say to somebody who's maybe in a similar place that you were in? a number of years ago? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I would just, I would, I would say first and foremost, like you are enough, like you are enough. And I think that these times of like challenging, like when you're going through substance use or um, any kind of 
challenge in your life. I think we tend to think it's because we didn't do enough or we didn't, we're not um, worthy enough or all these kinds of um, not enoughness that comes up. And so I think for me, that's kind of the main message that I've had to remind myself in recovery. And then I would extend to others is just remembering that you are enough. And I think that goes to continuing to just be, you know? And, um, And I do think, I think it's worth, like if you are struggling, I think it's worth asking those questions, starting the process. And even if it's so scary to admit, um, there are hopefully better times ahead. And I think that like, even if it gets a little bit harder before it gets better, if it gets messier before it gets cleaner, if it gets all worse before it gets better, it's still worth it. So continuing to still pursue it, even if right away it kind of falls apart and then you have to figure it out. Yeah. Well, my friend, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, this is great. It's, it's an honor to, to call you a friend, and, and just thanks for, for being open and real, and um, it's, it's pretty powerful to watch the, the path that you've been on. So thanks for being here. Thanks. I appreciate all that you're doing, and glad to be here. So yeah. I appreciate it. Once again, uh, a big thank you to, to Connor for joining me here for that conversation, and um really, really means a lot. Anytime anybody sits down and like has the courage to just be open about what they've experienced, uh, I just think it's such a beautiful thing. And I'm always really, really honored to, to be part of that. So if you are interested in doing some breath work, doing some meditation with Connor and I, we are working on creating monthly in-person breath work and meditation events here in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. And our next one is coming up on January 24th. It is a Tuesday, and it is at Yes Yoga in Minneapolis, which is just such a beautiful space. And so if you are uh, interested in joining us, we would love to have you there. I'm going to put a link in the show notes of where you can register for that. It's just a nice little opportunity to come together for an hour, do some meditation, do some breath work, connect to yourself, hopefully in a deeper way. And... um, and, and just connecting community, which I think is so great. So I hope that uh, there's something from this conversation that can serve you mo- moving forward. As always, take what serves you. Go ahead and leave the rest. And we'll talk soon. All right. Be gentle out there one step at a time. We'll talk to you soon. Also, just a reminder that this podcast is not meant to replace work with a therapist. And so if you feel you need it, I encourage you to reach out to a trained mental health professional. All right, we'll talk soon.